Hi folks, this is Trisha. We are re-releasing one of our earlier episodes from the year. Jeff asked me to think long and hard about what maybe one of my favorite episodes has been in 2022, which, wow, Jeff, tough question. So I spent a lot of time with this and I landed on our conversation with Swapna Krishna. This was the episode entitled Being a Science Communicator. So Swapna Krishna is a journalist, writer, communicator, and editor specializing in what she refers to as the geek space. She recently released a brand new PBS series on YouTube entitled Far Out. That's a show that focuses on science and technology. But our conversation talked a lot about creativity and actually what it means to really find yourself in the job that you hope to have and how actually that takes a lot of experimentation. It takes a lot of tinkering and it takes a little bit of, of course, hustle. So Swapna talks about, again, how that show Far Out came to be, as well as how she landed a gig writing on video games for Wired magazine. She really had me thinking a lot about how if we are passionate about something, we want to think about the unique perspective that our voice might have to offer to that space. And it had me thinking about students I've taught who've had an interest in video games and how I wish I could go back in time and ask them, hey, you know what, let's explore a magazine, uh, you know, an online resource like Wired. Let's see how video games are being discussed right now. And let's think about how your voice might offer a really unique perspective on it. So I hope you enjoy this conversation. Again, I think it's a, it's a great conversation to share with high school students, too, who are thinking about what they might want to do. And they are thinking, again, about what it means to be a communicator today. Swapna reminds us that she had a steep learning curve in terms of learning how to write for video and how that's very different from just writing for the page. So if you teach writing, how might you have some activities where you're asking students to write for that medium specifically? Which reminds me, if you've not explored our free guide that is all about using fiction podcasts as prompts for creative writing, the link to that is over there in the show notes. I think it's a, a great guide maybe to explore at this time of year, or it's a great menu to uh, offer to students, parents, and caretakers over the break. If they want to keep working on creative writing, I think fiction podcasts are a great tool to pursue. So I hope you enjoy this episode if you've listened to it before, I have to admit, I've actually listened to it about five times and I continue to take something new away from what Swapna Krishna has to say about creativity, being a communicator, and so much more. Enjoy. Welcome back to another Shifting Our Schools. I'm so excited to have our special guest Swapna here with us today. Uh, the STEM extraordinaire. She's all over every place. Um, I'm just, uh, this is, I'm, I'm so pumped. Uh, and thanks for engaging with us on Twitter too. That was kind of fun. Uh, it's just like one of those things where like, you're like, there's no way somebody like that's going to come on our podcast. So uh, we're very excited to have you here. Uh, I'm I love so excited it. to so, be here. 
this Thanks is for good. Asking. Yeah. Uh, this is great. And it just has so much to do with, you know, our audience being educators and students. I just love what you're producing and want you to be able to tell your story and, and talk about how the things that you're doing, how do you see them being used in classrooms with educators and, and kids? So uh, that's our that's our hope for today. Uh, but let's get started with you, your journey, uh, and maybe introduce yourself. Talk about how did you get into all of these STEM roles from journalism to YouTube channels to everything else that you do. So give us a little bit of your, of your background. Yeah, so um, my name is Swapna Krishna, and I'm the host of PBS's Far Out, but that's pretty new, but I've been doing STEM communication for a very long time. And, um, you know, the way I got into it is really funny because I don't have a formal background in either, you know, communication or STEM. I uh, I'm I have a political science background, and uh, that's what I, you know, majored in college. I have a master's degree in international relations, but I have always been interested in STEM and science. I I think my story is a bit familiar to a lot of people. I was super into Star Trek as a kid, still am, by the way, <laughs> super into it. Uh, so cool. I don't want to put that in the past tense. Um, and so that really just sparked my interest in space and science, tech and engineering. And so, uh, but I kind of never really thought I could do it as a career. I've always wanted to be a writer, like mm. not necessarily writing books, though that I think that's very cool, but just writing has always been a passion of mine. And it never quite, growing up, I don't think there was as much emphasis on science communication as there is today. I didn't realize that that was a thing I could do. But then um, everything I was kind of I was going sort of going into publishing and going that track and then everything kind of changed. I guess it was like 2011, I think. Um, I went to a NASA social, which is this is a great program from NASA for anyone who's unaware. Um, they basically invite social media people. And when I say social media people, I don't mean you have to have 50,000 followers. I mean, they'll invite somebody who has 120 followers as long oh, cool. as you are enthusiastic and your audience is enthusiastic. Um, to like special events to celebrate things. So I got invited to the second to last space shuttle launch to come in person, see wow. it behind the scenes. Yes. It, I mean, it, it was an incredible, incredible um, experience. And it was the first time I had ever done science communication because I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to share, I feel an, a responsibility to share this with my followers and spread the word. And the response was just incredible. And I was like, oh, maybe I have a knack for this. But it wasn't really mm. until a couple of years later, I went to another NASA social launch, this time the uh, launch of Orion EFT-1. And I think it was like 2014 or 2015. And that was where I was like, okay, no, this, this is what I want to do. Like, I'm going to come do a complete like left turn in my career. And I want to pursue, you know, basically STEM communication. So I decided, um, that was going to be my path. And then I just, I, I'm, I'm a freelancer. So uh, hustle is the name of the game for me. So I got a job at Engadget writing news to get like, you know, credibility and, oh, cool. you know, and then ended up covering some uh, rocket launches for them. And then since then, I've kind of been just doing this whole STEM thing. And it's been amazing. I mean, when you say hustle is the name of the game, though, listeners, if you're not familiar with Swapna's work, we're talking about you being published in Slate, Los Angeles Times, Boston Globe, um, Fast Company, The Verge, 
And you also cover video games for NPR and for Wired. I know I'm thinking a few folks might be interested in that because, um, you know, as somebody who's who works primarily with teens, covering video games for Wired and for NPR sounds like a dream gig. But um, (laughs) again, I'm sure that didn't just sort of fall into your lap. Could you talk a little bit more specifically about about how you found yourself with that job? And correct me if it is not, in fact, a dream job. No, it is covering video games for Wired. For those of you, for anyone who isn't familiar with like for the way journalism works, Wired is like the pinnacle of tech. Like yeah. being published in Wired is like every tech reporter's dream. So the fact <laughs> that I have like a column there and I get to write every two weeks about like the stuff I'm playing, it's a, it is it is absolutely a dream. Um, so. That is that's a really good question, and basically um, everything I have done in terms of writing, I try to come to it from a unique angle, um, and so and to kind of I think paying attention to a lot of what's going on in um, in media, paying attention to a lot of what's going on specifically in video games, and reading a lot of the coverage. Basically, I saw that there was a a big hole, and it's getting better now, but there is still a big hole in covering the perspective of like kind of casual gamers. That's the name of my column at Wired Casual Gamer. Basically a person who, yes, I have a console. I play PlayStation 5. I love it. I have a Switch. I play on my phone. But like I am a gamer and I am absolutely valid. That identity is absolutely valid. Um but a lot of gaming culture would try and gatekeep somebody like me out of it because, mm. you know, I don't play first-person shooters. I don't play online, really. I, when I game, I want to be by myself. I don't want to socialize with people. <laughs> sure, right. um, so, but, like, a lot of people would say, like, I, like, a lot of people would declare me as not a real gamer. So, but there's so many of us, and especially as a, I'm a parent, I have a toddler. It is really hard to find time to game, so I want certain things from my games. I want easy mode. I don't want to go against up against the same boss 50 times and die, and that's the hour and a half I get to play for the day. Like, that's not what I want. And so I, was, I, I saw that there was this little niche, and I was like, okay, maybe someone wants to talk. Someone else sees that, too, and... Um, you know, maybe my voice is important here. And so I, I cold pitched, I'd never had any like contact with Wired and I cold pitched the culture editor. And then he was like, yeah, this sounds great. So I think being familiar with with what is out there and having your pulse on the culture of whatever you want to talk about, everything has a culture, whether it's like pop culture, like video games, or, you know, there's definitely like for me, space and space space tech and space science is a big, but there's definitely a culture around that. So seeing what people are engaging in, seeing what people are saying on the internet, but maybe isn't getting published in the mainstream outlets, that's like a really, that's been a very, very good strategy for me in terms of getting myself published. Wow, that's very cool. And I, I mean, just amazing how you've been able to find your niche and make it make a career out of it. You know, you've yeah. just launched your most recent launch is far out. Uh, you can find it on YouTube and we'll make sure there's links to everything uh, in the show notes as well. But this is just a, a, an amazing free resource that, again, is just getting launched, just really starting to take off and, and is going to be an incredible asset for educators. Can you tell us maybe a little bit behind the scenes of like what are some of the skills and and 
and decisions that you have to make to decide like what's the question we're going to pose yeah. what's what's the resources we're going to how and like even in in the one that i just got them watching which was on age you were able to reach out to scientists and get other perspectives and and can you kind of maybe just tell us a little bit like what where are you going with far out what's the idea and then what's some of the behind the scenes of like how do you how do you produce something like that yeah, so basically far out, it's the next you know few decades in science and technology. That is the ethos of the show. That's what we're trying to talk about. But there's so much to talk about in that space. So I think the first thing we try to do is narrow the topics as much as possible. So even though it's the future of, you know, the, the, the kind of topic is the future of aging, we really do narrow it down as the episode progresses into, you know, the future of longevity, the future of the health span. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're trying to keep the topics narrow so we can talk about them in a deep way without, we want people to feel like they've learned something and not they've just that they've gotten like a broad overview of a topic. Like that's important to me as somebody who really likes digging in the details and who I want some I want someone to leave the show with the like did you know part fact that they could mm. share at a party, you know, yeah. that sort of thing. So um yeah, it is it's a it's a it's a definitely a process that we're still refining because um we've filmed three episodes now. Uh, but basically, I work with my researchers. I have two, um, two who, and they, uh, we talk about the topics together. So we have kind of broad strokes of the ideas we want to do, but it's in terms of narrowing them down. And we try to be topical in terms of like, okay, the summer is coming. What's on people's minds in the summer? Mm. Um, you know, keeping the season, keeping, you know, keeping an eye on what's in the headlines. We do, you know, it's a YouTube show, so we can move pretty fast, but we still need sure. a couple of months lead time. So like keeping an eye on what people are talking about and that sort of thing. But it is basically just a process of what makes all of us go like, oh, that's interesting. I would like to know more because it's a generalist show. None of us are going to be experts in what we're talking about unless, you know, if we do a space show, sure, I can, you know, I could ad lib about that for an hour. <laughs> but for the most part, no, not, not both my researchers are science writers, but like nobody's really usually going to have a huge expertise in what we're talking about. So it's a matter of what makes us want to know more. Hmm. Do you have like a, just a real passion for learning? I do. do. You just like I love do. to learn. I love knowing more, and I think the 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 secret about about it is like you never. The more you learn, the more you realize how much you don't know. Mm. I love that. And and so I, I just learn. all I kept thinking about when you were talking was just like every ELA teacher that's listening to this has to be like thesis statements matter. You know, when you're in high school and your ELA teacher's like, you got to narrow it down. You got to narrow it down. And that's really what you're talking about, right? Like you have these broad ideas, but you've got mm -hmm. to be able to narrow it down to where it's like, this is what we're going to cover. This is the essential question. And now we're going to yes. give you some information to, to help you learn it. Absolutely. I'll tell you a secret. Every single article I write, I write the thesis statement first. Like my high school uh. composition teacher would be <laughs> very, very proud. Every single thing I write, the first thing I do is write the thesis statement. And it changes as we research for sure. sure. Like all three of these first three episodes we've done have changed as we've gotten research and we've um, we've talked to, you know, experts. But, you know, keeping that in mind, like what's the core thing we're trying to convey is so important. I love that. I was just going to ask because, you know, again, a, a lot of our 
our audience, educators, they have students who they would love to pursue taking their YouTube channel to the next level. Um, and of course, you know, an episode like the one that we're talking about, it's not as though you crank that out overnight and it's published. Can you give folks just, um, you know, kind of an, an estimate, a, a rough idea of start to finish, including that research and that, that kind of ideation process that you were talking about, start to finish, what does that time investment look like? Absolutely. So for a show like Far Out, um, I will give you an example. Now, the pilot is we're going to move faster than this generally, but the pilot we uh, there's about we spent we spent a week researching um, probably one to two weeks writing the pilot. We filmed in March and then it just went live and we were making tweaks to it until the end. Like there was probably the last like week or two that we stopped. But it's I mean, it's a it's not going to be this long because we were still trying to get the feel of the show right and the look of the show right, um, because there's a lot of elements that go into that. But I would say like we are at, you know, every every step of it takes a week at least Um, production post production probably takes two. I'm not as involved in that, although I do, you know, I, I I do know. I'm not very great at editing video, but I do do (laughs) stuff on TikTok and stuff like that. So I understand, you know, some of what goes into it and it's very complicated, but for the writing and the scripting, I mean, it's like two to three weeks, like just because the research, the writing and the scripting, because, and you know, it's not just, I write the script and then I go and say it. I, you know, I have, we have table reads where everybody on our team production, you know, and the production people, everybody can ask questions because Mm. we want I would much rather somebody say, I don't understand that at a production meeting than I don't understand that in a YouTube comment. You know what I mean? Like, right. I want to yeah, make sure that. we are being very clear and very precise, too, because we do not underestimate the intelligence of our audience. These are very smart people, and we want to respect that and not, you know, gloss over some fact or you know, something like that, and then have people think we are not accurate when, you know, we are technically being, you know, it's, it, it, there's language is in precision in language is very important, something like this. So we have that table read, and then I go one on one with my, uh, with my director, and we go through and like, you know, finesse the language, make things sound as natural as they can to me, even though, you know, I'm writing the script, but still, I'm still learning to be a video writer. I, I've been a print writer for, mm. you know, most of my career. So I'm really, really learning on what it is to write for video and even write for myself for video. Um, and so, you know, learning how to make it sound natural and like me and uh, the rhythm of speaking and th- those sorts of things. And those are things I'm still learning. Yeah. I love that. That's like, it's a new genre of writing, right? Video mm-hmm. writing or script writing. Um, for a YouTube video are are you is your goal like the last one that I watched was like about eight minutes or so is your goal to kind of like keep them under 10 like fast paced Mm -hmm. yeah eight to ten going is like eight to ten minutes Mm -hmm. that's awesome yes um as someone who you like you are doing all this stuff you're learning all the time who are some of you the influence influencers or influential people that uh that you follow that you love to learn from that are in your own network uh I mean you know, in Wired and in Gadget and every place else. I'm sure, I'm sure you have lots, but who are some of the people that really influence you? Yeah. So there's, I mean, there's a ton of great people out there, but in terms of, you know, science 
communication and especially, you know, work on video and work on social media. There's a few. Emily Calandrelli, who's also a good friend of mine, um, she is the space gal um, across, you know, platforms. And she's also Emily's Wonder Lab from Netflix. Uh, that's her show and the host of Exploration Outer Space. So she's, you know, she's everywhere. She's amazing. But um, <laughs> she is she has been uh, an inspiration of mine for a long time because uh, she just does what she does so well. She's so authentic and really reaches people and tries to meet people where they're at. Um, and I really respect her. Uh, Sophia Gadnasser, who is a, she's a PhD student in cosmology, I believe. She's Astro Party Girl across, wow. um, you know, yeah, across Twitter, I think, Twitter, Instagram, and I and on TikTok as well, I think. And she is, she is doing such good work, you know, explaining the in intricacies of science. Because while I am a science communicator, I am not a scientist. And I rely, I know a lot at this point because I've reported on a lot and I've talked to a lot of experts, but I always like to, you know, go back to the experts to make sure that I'm accurate. And so, you know, Sophia is, she's a science communicator, but she's also a, you know, scientist. And so I think she is amazing. Um, science Sam is also, Samantha Yameen is uh, also amazing. Um, she's mostly on Instagram, but uh, she was kind of, uh, she was criticized by some like uh, entrenched scientists who didn't like her approach. She's also a scientist. Uh, didn't like her approach of uh, trying to communicate through social media and has been attacked for that. And I think she was one of the first to really bring attention to the fact that, you know, we can really communicate incredibly effectively through like platforms like YouTube, platforms like TikTok and Instagram and Twitter. Like these are very effective and we should reach out on these platforms. I feel really strongly about speaking in plain language, not being condescending and being where the pe where people are and where people want to learn. Like I don't expect people to come to my website to find my stuff. Like I need to meet them where they're at. Mm, I love that. That's so powerful. You said a couple times there that you're a science communicator. Is that your job title? Is that like what you consider yourself? Uh, space like science, science and technology journalist is usually journalist. what I say. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I usually say space science and technology journalist, but I'm moving much towards much more towards the communicator uh, stuff mm. with the scripting and the all that. You know, there is a lot of journalism involved, but. Um, I, I honestly, I am like in a in a place where I am moving kind of from the journalism sphere to the more larger communication. You know, I, I do, uh, I post science uh, videos, space-related videos on TikTok and um, across social media, but mainly TikTok is the focus. And so that is kind of more of a communication role than a journalism role. So it's kind of, I'm trying, I'm just trying to talk to people about how cool um, all this stuff is basically. And so however anybody wants to find me and wherever they want to find me, whether it's through like the more traditional, you know, places with more credibility like Wired or Engadget or, you know, all of those or whether it's, you know, on TikTok, it's fine. I'm happy either way. Mm, I like that. Very cool. So as we kind of pivot to talk about uh, and we can focus on all of your stuff, but we'll focus on Far Out for right now. Uh, for educators who want to connect uh, their students with you, with the stuff that you're starting to produce on Far Out, and I know you've probably got more stuff coming, what does that look like, you think, from an educational standpoint, as far as like 
you know, teachers being able to get uh, engaged with you, with students, uh, whether it's comments and YouTube videos? Do you have like a social media person that's responding to comments or asking questions? Are you taking, um, are, are you taking topics from, from kids and teachers? Like where do you see this fitting from an educational standpoint? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And um, in terms of me, I am very accessible. Uh, if you tweet me on Twitter, I will see it and I will usually respond. I try to respond to, I try to at least acknowledge everything I get. I don't, I'm not always able to respond to everything, but I generally make myself, especially on Twitter, generally on social media platforms, sometimes depending, you know, like TikTok, I know where that's a lot of, where there, that's a, where a lot of younger people are, but the uh, commenting system is kind of a mess over there. The, um, so I don't see as much of that, but something like Twitter, I am very accessible and I try to be, um, in terms of the YouTube comments, I do look at all of them. I don't really respond to a ton mm. of them, um, but we do have people looking at them. And if there is ever a uh, an episode topic anyone would like to see, please leave it in the YouTube comments because we do oh, cool. look at that and we are very responsive to our audience. We want to know what our audience, we want to know what our audience wants to see. And so if there's something somebody feels strongly about or a teacher or a classroom is like, oh, I'm, you know, I would love to see a video on X, like let us know and we will absolutely do it. But yes, That's I am great. gen, I am generally very accessible um and i try to make myself accessible you know you can people can email me my email address is you know it's on my website uh but i feel like twitter is usually the way people choose to reach out and i am happy with that and fine with that and um i love it like i love engaging with people i love talking to people about this stuff and people have been so incredibly kind about you know the debut of the launch and debut of this series mm. and i'm just really grateful that it's resonating honestly yeah. It's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so, you know, part of, part of where we are right now in education is we are really focused on STEM, right? The science, technology, uh, engineering, and math. And we're trying to figure out like, how do we support like the next generation of STEM students? I mean, that is, that's a massive focus uh, right now in education. And, and some of the things I love that you're talking about, like there's so much writing involved, right? And the, and the creativity aspect, like things when we when we think about math or we think about engineering, we don't always think about, oh yeah, you've got to be able to write and you've got to be able to, yeah. you know, stand up and deliver on YouTube or deliver in front of a camera, right? Uh, a, a talk or a script in that way. What advice would you give to educators who want to support students with a passion in STEM? Like this passion for learning yeah. that you have, how do you how do you get others to to do that? I think um, I think there's a few ways. Uh, I feel like these days everybody kind of wants to be an influencer, and that's a really it's a very honestly it's a very I'm as I'm moving more towards that you know I'm not really an influencer in the traditional sense, but as I'm doing more social media science communication, I'm seeing more of you know it's a lot of work it's a lot of unpaid work um mm. so that is not unless people are really really very into it, I don't necessarily recommend like going all in on influencer right from the start um there's a lot of other things you could do I do feel like supporting things like people who want people who want to write about you know science and stem topics i think that's really important because what i have found and how i kind of got started with a lot of like my professional work in this was recognizing that 
just because we all can write doesn't mean we all can communicate. Those are two different Ooh, things. Um, yeah, so like we can all, you know, we, most of us can write. We know the mechanics of writing, but effective communication is very difficult and it's an art and it's a skill that is learned through, you know, hard work and recognizing, you know, especially distilling down topics that are as complicated as STEM topics. These are really, really complicated topics. So how do you balance, you know, how do you balance delivering the communication effectively and clearly without being condescending because that's the key thing here mm. i think effective communication is never condescending and never underestimates the intelligence of, uh, intelligence of the audience because so much communication i see does that and under you know is it's condescending and it's talking down to people and like that's not effective communication it's, or it's shaming people for not knowing some like that's not effective communication. So I think compassion is so important. And so I think cultivating these skills is is incredibly important because we need we don't we need the scientists and we need, you know, the mathematicians. We need all these people, but we also need people to communicate these, you know, these discoveries and these triumphs and this amazing stuff. And while plenty of STEM People are very effective communicators. Plenty are not. And um, it's 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 a skill that I think is undervalued. And I have found like mm. in my personal uh, in my in my personal experience, people do wonder, you know, well, why didn't you just become an engineer if you were passionate about engineering, which is a lot of what I was passionate about when I was younger. And it's because sure. I don't want to be an engineer. I wanted to talk about the stuff, not do the stuff. Do and the stuff. Are, you know, <laughs> yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't. I don't want to. You know, I'm not. That's not. That's not where my passion lies. My passion lies in talking about it and getting really excited about it, and you know, geeking out about this stuff. That's what I love doing, and I think that is. I think encouraging that and making it clear there's a career path there because I think that was what was key for me and why it took me mm. so long to find it was that I didn't understand, especially growing up. Um, you know, Indian and immigrant household, like I didn't understand the career paths that were available to me that weren't like doctor, lawyer, computer programmer growing up. I just, that was just not in my under realm of understanding. And it, so it took me a lot longer to kind of come into my career than I think a lot of people, because I just didn't understand what was out there. And so mm. I think, I think making it clear that you don't have to be a scientist to talk about science, um, you know, I think that's that's important. I love that because, you know, Jeff, I know that you and I talk about this all the time in education, opening our minds up and being a little bit more expansive around not putting each subject in a silo and not saying, oh, this is over here, that's over there. Uh, I mean, you really see the skills as that through way and that connection. Uh, and I, I think that's going to resonate with our audience. And I love that idea of, again, providing providing a lengthier menu of career pathways. I truly hope that yeah. this episode is going to reach a lot of students um, because again, there's just so many different passions that have come through in the work that you do that, that blow my mind. Um, and uh, again, I'm just really thankful that you took the time to share that with us. Of course. I'm so excited. I'm very excited to be here and to be able to talk about it because I don't, I, I know, I mean, I get, you do not know how many, oh, you probably actually do know exactly how many times I get asked, like, how do I do what you do? And like, I want, like, and I'm, I'm in a place where I don't want, like, it's not that 
I don't see it as competition. I want a thousand people just like me who are just as enthusiastic as I am doing the exact same thing I'm doing because there's room for all of us. And so yeah. like there's a gatekeeping. There's also like to this to a lot of this, there's a gatekeeping mechanism where people think like, oh, there's only room for one, you know, influencer talking about space. Like, no, that's not the case. And like one thing that has been really nice was is like is finding other, you know, other people, but other women especially who have, you know, as I'm getting into this video thing, who I have been able to like DM and be like, hey, like, can you help me? Like, this is very new for me. I don't know what I'm doing. And they've been like, yes, here's this and this and this. And it's been like, it's been such, so it's been so nice to, you know, and I want to do that for other people. I love that. You find your community and you lean on your community. Your community leans on you. <sighs> Uh, and Absolutely. we're all better for it. We're all better for Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, Swapna, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Uh, we will make sure there are links to everything in the show notes. You can go watch the Far Out episodes on YouTube, connect with her on Twitter, get your students connected. I don't know a high school kid that doesn't have a Twitter account, so get them uh, You know, put up on the whiteboard. You know, put her handle up on the whiteboard and have kids follow her, uh, especially if you geek out with science uh, and space and uh, all of the good stuff, man. That, that is, she's such such a great person to follow. Uh, you're gonna you're gonna love and learn so much of what she is sharing out there. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Really appreciate you being here. Thank you so much. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Shifting Our Schools. If you found this episode helpful or inspiring, please make sure to subscribe and leave the team a five-star rating. If you want to learn more about the Shifting Schools team or download our free resources, head over to shiftingschools.com to see what's on offer now. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode to keep rethinking the shifts our schools need.